Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day again. I know on Mother's Day and Father's Day, we, we try to get you guys out a little early, so no promises, but I'll do my best to get you out in a reasonable time. And all the dads said, thank you, thank you. All right. So um, before we begin, a few announcements. Uh, Tom Jackson wanted you guys to know there's a um, healthy relationships group that meets every Sunday at 4 o'clock. Those of you guys looking for a new small group, uh, you can see Tom Jackson. Tom, raise your hand. You're, he's in the back. He leads that group every Sunday at 4. So uh, we want to encourage people looking for a good life group. That's a great group. Another thing is if everyone would take out your cell phones, we, uh, you're like, what is he asking now? If you'll notice, we now have an Arden First Baptist app. And this will allow you, whenever you're traveling, miss any of the messages. It's all there on the app. So it's on whatever, if you have a smartphone, it's on Droid and uh, Apple platforms, and it allows you to keep in touch with what's going on in the church calendar, and also we'll send out special messages um, for services, different things. So if you want to go ahead and download that, you're welcome to, and um, it'll keep you up to date with what's going on with the church. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number six today, and we're just going to be covering four verses and in God's providence, it's interesting, a lot of times the passages line up exactly with the day, like Mother's Day, the passage is right there. And today, ironically, it's on parenting and fathers, and it just happened to be the next passage uh, that we approach in Ephesians 6. So excited about that. Um, as you turn there, I want you, for those of you who are parents, I want you to think about the birth of your first child. Do you remember what that was like? The uh, feelings of nervousness and trepidation. Uh, Lori and I were living actually on Birch Lane, just down the road here, about a mile, and uh, we were wondering when are we going to go into labor. Um, we're like any day now. So we heard that eggplant helped induce labor, and I don't know whether that's true or not, but we went, there used to be a restaurant called Eddie Spaghetti down the road. Any of you guys ever ate there? Okay, they had, it was really good food, a little on the greasy side, but they had eggplant. So we ate eggplant. And I remember that night we were eating chicken noodle soup and we were watching Christmas with the Cranks. And uh, the next thing we knew, we knew uh, Lori's like, I think my water's broke. And I'm like, no, nah, it's probably nothing, you know. And she's like, no, it's something. So we, we rushed to the hospital and 16 hours later we had our first child, Kira. And um, that was, you know, that was an interesting pregnancy. And she had, she had the anesthesia and I didn't. I wish I had some myself. So uh, that was exciting. But, you know, one of, the, one of the surreal things as a parent is the next night, Aaron and Michelle are getting ready to experience this in a, about nine more weeks, Lord willing. But the, the next thing is, you know, they help you change the diapers the first night. And then the second day, they're like, you've got to change the diaper now. And we're looking at each other like, so we have to change the diaper. Uh, we're responsible now. And you guys remember that? Like, we have this kid now for the next rest of her lifetime, but, you know, at least the next 18 years to all the needs. And there's no instruction manual, you know. For those of you who work at Mission Hospital, it would be nice to have a little instruction manual to go home. Uh, there were some instructions, but we're like, what do we do now? So uh, we, we figured it out, and uh, she was a lot better at changing diapers than I was and still am. But, uh, you know, I jumped in there, helped out this morning, didn't I, babe? <laughs> so... Um, so anyways, it's exciting to think about fatherhood and parenthood. And so in Father, Father's Day, um, 
I, I came across this article. It's by an Ohio journalist, by D.L. Stewart. And it's called, Why Fathers Hide Their Feelings. And basically, as I read this, I want you to think about the men in your life. And sometimes women, it's easier for them to understand children and parenting and emotions and sometimes us guys. He goes to say, it's different for fathers than for mothers. Motherhood is honest, close to the surface. Mothers don't have to hide what they feel. They don't have to pretend. When there are sounds downstairs in the middle of the night, the mother is allowed to pull her head over the covers and hope that they will go away. A father is supposed to put on his slippers and robe and march down the stairs, even if he's pretty sure it's the Manson family in the kitchen waiting for him. Been there. There's a sound, honey. Go check it out. When the roadsides are confusing and the scenery is looking awfully unfamiliar, it's perfectly okay for the mother to pull aside and ask for directions. But for the father, he continues on 200 miles, sometimes in the wrong direction, because he's supposed to know where he's going. A lot of the wives are looking at the husbands like, that's you, babe. When the electricity goes out, no one questions a mother who simply lights a few candles and waits for their paramount. But everyone, everyone questions a father who doesn't know how to pick up a screwdriver and head for the basement, even if he doesn't know where the fuse box is from a sump pump. Mothers can admit to the real estate agent they don't know a thing about fixed interest rates or balloon mortgage payments or second mortgages. Fathers, however, are supposed to nod their head and act like they know exactly what's going on as their wife looks on. Honey, you understand that? Yes. Mothers can bang a lid of a new peanut butter jar on the floor until it's loose enough to open. But fathers are supposed to strain and not try to get too red in the face. I still to this day, can you open this? And if you don't open it, it's like your manhood's question, right? Mothers can lose their jobs and it's considered unfortunate. When a father loses his job, it's hard for the man. Sometimes he can feel like a failure. And some of us guys know what that's like. So, dads, it's okay. There's certain jars you can't open. And sometimes we lose our jobs and sometimes we get lost directionally. And sometimes we struggle with certain things that mothers are good at. That's okay because we're all human. In today's passage, Paul is going to... Lay it out for kind of a little preview for children and for parents, specifically fathers. And as I said last week on marriage, um, whatever level you're at, don't take it as like, I'm not perfect, because none of us are. The goal is to become more of what you're like. The whole series in Ephesians is becoming who you are in Christ. So the first three chapters, he lays out who you are. And chapters four, five, and six, this is how you to put it in practice. And church, are we going to be perfect at it? Absolutely not. But just because we're perfect, not perfect, doesn't mean we don't strive to grow in grace and become more like Jesus. Amen. So let's jump into the text, Ephesians 6, just four verses today. It says children. And by the way, the word children here is talking about non-adults. In a way, we're all children because we have parents. But these are talking about children who are not adults and are still under their parents' rule and leadership. It says children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, before we read the next verse, how many of you have ever quoted this to your kids? All right. We got our kids memorizing this. I wish I had Kira up here. She knows it by memory now. Just saying. <laughs> Kira, what does the verse say? Obey your parents. Okay. Verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Now, verse 2, by the way, is something everyone can do, children and adults, because we're all to honor our parents no matter what age or stage. And notice the promise that it may go well with you 
and that you may live long life on the earth. Now, that's a pretty amazing promise, isn't it? You'll go well and you'll live a long life. Verse 4, and you fathers, and some translation even use the word parents because it's applicable to both, but specifically he's addressing the head of the household. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Let us pray together. Father, as we look into your word, speak to your hearts, help us to understand that a family that thrives is a family that puts you first, Jesus Christ at the center, and that the children obey their parents and honor them, and the parents are leading the family in such a way that the children don't have a problem obeying and submitting to their authority. So Lord, help us to, uh, no matter what age or stage we're at, to embrace these principles and help us to apply them to our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I'm speaking to some parents and to some grandparents and to some singles in all stages of life. And I want you to know that these verses, they're going to apply to you at different stages. Verse 1, when it talks about the children, these are to the non-adults. And I notice we've got a few teenagers in here, so that's specifically to you. Now verses 2 and 3 are going to apply to everybody. If you have parents still living... You're to honor them. And verse 4, specifically to the father. So if you have kids, if you have grandkids, um, hopefully you can get some principles out there. So if you look at your listening guide, we're going to talk about a family that thrives. And there's a few points that Paul would give us. Here's how, if you want a family life that's going to thrive, here's a few things that, that should go into place. The first one is this, trust and obey. The children understand that when they obey and respect God, They will also obey and respect their parents. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, we have a saying in our home, and it goes like this. And Lori is probably going to quote it with me. We we tell our kids, obey right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. That's their saying. So if if one of our children, um, they obey, but they don't do it all the way. Like we say, clean your room and they only do it half the way. Did they really obey? No. If they have a bad attitude about it, well, I just don't want to obey, but they do it anyways. Do they really obey? Their heart's not in. So we, we, try to, we try to teach them from day one, obedience is right away because delayed obedience is actually disobedience. All the way because half-hearted obedience is not true obedience. And then your, your attitude of joy. And that's transferable to a relationship with God. If, if we don't obey a God right away, are we really obeying him? I mean, a delayed obedience is disobedience. Now, here's another thing, and this is, some parents may get mad at me for this one, but it, it's something we all struggle with. You, you ever hear people say, don't make me count to three. One, two, three. Don't raise your hand if you do that. But uh, that's actually promoting delayed obedience. You ever think about that? If you're having to count to three, so something Lori and I talked about recently is, Sometimes we do that in a sense of we give too many warnings. So I'm warning you, that's the same thing. So what Paul gives to the children is this. Children, obey your parents. And notice the motive. It says, in the Lord. So these are talking really to, to children that are following the Lord. Now, if your kids aren't Christian yet, it's a lot harder. Are they still called to obey their parents? Absolutely. But if they're following the Lord then it's like this. If a child can submit to God whom he hasn't seen, he will be able to submit to his parents whom he has seen. 
Or you could reverse it like this. If the, if the child cannot submit to his parents who he sees, how is he going to submit to a God who can't seize? It's just not going to work that way. And for those of you who have teenagers, uh, we're, we're praying for you. It's really a challenge. Um, all of us were teenagers at one time. If we remember, it, it was tough. But for those who have navigate, navigated through adolescence and their, their children are young adults, some of you just had kids that graduated from college, one thing that you would advise us younger parents, myself included, is this. If you don't deal with authority issues while they're young, it gets worse when they're a teenager. And everyone's not on their head, and it's true. So you have to start, as soon as they know right from wrong, you have to slowly start teaching them what it means to respect authority. Because if they're not going to do it as a child, they're surely not going to do it as a teenager. And if they're not going to do it as a teenager, it just gets worse. And for all the people I can think of I went to school with that are in jail now, if you trace back, they had authority issues with their teachers. They had authority issues with their parents. So what I'm trying to say is when Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He's just saying, listen, God wants you to have an amazing life. But if you don't understand authority, it's, it's going to harm you and your parent child relationship that's going to harm you in school and it's also going to harm you as a job and as a 20 something 30 something you're going to go from job to job to job partly because you didn't understand authority as a child and all the parents said ouch so that's why paul lays it out trust and obey as the old hymn would say trust and obey there's no other way right we've got to learn that even as adults how to trust and obey the lord number two we have the honor promise and as I said, this verse is applicable to all of us who still have parents living. But it says, when, when you honor your parents, God will honor you. Now, a little background of the Ten Commandments. It says this is the first command with the promise. The first four of the Ten Commandments talk about your relationship to God, vertical. The next six commandments are the horizontal relationship between you and others. You know what the first one is uh, of the horizontal? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And um, honor thy father and mother. And notice it says the first commandment with a promise. That it may be well with you and that you may live a long life on the earth. Now here's the thing about the Bible. And I hope this will encourage us. Whenever God lays out a an honor or a due command. It's not because he wants to take away your fun and you to feel like God's like this. Some kind of grandfather in the sky always giving out rules. The reason why God says to do something is he wants you to have a better life. Does that make sense, everyone? It's not there just haphazardly. There's a reason behind it. God knows if we honor our parents, we're going to live a better life. It doesn't mean we're always going to be happy. It doesn't always going to be healthy. But the Bible says it will go well with you, and you'll live a long life as a general rule. And then when the Bible says do not do something, it's not because God wants to take away your fun or your freedom. He knows the way he made you and the way he made this world if you violate one of his principles, it's going to hurt you. So think of God, like the song we said, as a good, good father, the song we sang. And this, this illustration up here comes from Ted Tripp. It's a parenting book that Lori and I have read, and we have to continually keep going back. But it says whenever a child disobeys God, um, they're in the circle, they're outside the circle of blessing. But notice the circle of a blessing. It says, go well and long life. So whenever as a parent I discipline my child, it's because I want them to be in the circle of blessing. When the child is rebelling against their parents and authority, they're outside that blessing. 
So it's actually unloving not to discipline them if they're outside the blessing. So that's something we talk about. Honor your father and mother. John MacArthur made a good point about these first two verses. He says verse 1 um, is the action of obedience. It says obey your parents. Verse 2 is the attitude. So verse 1 you have the action to obey. And verse 2 is the attitude. So why are you to do it? What's the motive behind it? Honor the Lord for this is right. And it brings up how are we to honor our parents? Uh, it's Father's Day. And a lot of us are thinking about dad, and many of us are going to the cookouts afterward. But how do we honor our parents? If you look at your listening guide, um, there's seven things, and this comes from all pro dad. I thought these were good illustrations. The first one is this learn your dad's story. For those of you whose parents are still alive, have you ever sat down and asked your dad to tell you his story? Tell me, dad, what was it like growing up in the 19, whenever, 40s, 50s, whatever? Um, tell me your story. Where did you work at? What was your favorite job? And you'd be surprised your parents' story. For those of you who remember, uh, with my dad, uh, he tells me stories about when he grew up in Mount Airy, North Carolina. That's where they did the Andy Griffith show, Mayberry. And uh, told, me, told me about playing baseball. And, you know, it's just fun, fun things about your, your, your dad that would be great to know. Number two, you can honor your dad by live out your dad's godly values. Now, for those of you whose parents weren't Christians, that's a lot harder. But think about the values that he did instill that were biblical, like hard work ethic or different things like that. And to this day, my dad recently, uh, he really encouraged me and said, Timothy, you really need to stick to, to preaching the word. Stick to the ministry. Don't get sidetracked. Stay focused. So I've recorded that in my memory, like my dad say, stick with it. Don't get sidetracked. Uh, number three, spend quality time with your dad on a regular basis. And for those of you whose parents live far away, that may be hard, um, but at least you can pick up the phone and call them. Spend time with your dad. That, that shows how much you love him. Number four, love and respect your dad. Last week when we talked about husband-wife relationships, we found out that man's number one need is what? Respect. So you love your dad by showing him respect. Number five, for those of you who are more crafty, uh, like Dan and Tom and some of you out there, build, give, name something in his memory. You know, for those of you who are fathers, how would you feel if your, your ch- children built you something and said, this is in honor of you? I mean, it, it could be something as simple as a photo book of memories or something like that. Number six, acknowledge your dad and your own achievements. Have you achieved anything in life that you can trace back to your dad's influence? Don't you think your dad would like to hear about that? Number seven, my wife and I were laughing about this because this is so true of all dads. Ask your dad's advice. How many of you men would like to give your children advice if they just asked? I don't know a single daddy wouldn't. So, because uh, that shows that you respect his advice. Now, what about mom? We're going to throw a bonus for moms because uh, I didn't want the ladies to check out and say, well, they talked about dads the whole day. Well, it is Father's Day. But here's a few things about how to honor your mom. Number one, listen to her heart. How many of you know your moms like to talk usually? And sometimes they don't want advice, they want you to listen. My, my wife reminds me of that sometimes. Listen, Timothy, I don't want advice right now, I want you to listen. I'm like, I, I forget that women are like that. I don't know what it is, but I, I know this intellectually, I forget it. And all the ladies said, that's right, you need to remember that, Timothy. All right, number two, cook for her or take her out to eat. If you're not a good cook, if your best specialty is PB&J, you may want to go out to eat. But, uh, you know, it's, she doesn't have to cook. Take out the trash. 
All the ladies said, that's right. So next time you're over your parents' house, I'm reminding myself, can I take the trash out? Number four, now this is a dangerous question, but your mom will love you for it. Ask, how may I help you today? Today. Now, you may have a long honeydew list after that. Be sure you have enough time to do it. But uh, this is important. Number five, tell her how much you love and appreciate her. Because your mom will never get tired of hearing you say, I love you. Number six, tell her that you still think she's beautiful. Whether your mom is 50 or 80 or 90 or 100, every woman wants to know you still think she's beautiful. And number seven, go out on a day trip with her. Do something that she likes. Don't pull like some, sometimes I do, like I love this store, I love this place, and I, I want you to come with me. Find out where she wants to go. And all the, all the moms said, that's right. So you're going you're gonna to be forwarding this message to your kids and grandkids, I have a feeling. So here's the honor promise we see in the scripture. If you will honor your parents, God will honor you. So what does this look like? Well, if you read the scripture, it says that it may go well with you. So one thing possibly we can imply is you'll have greater relationships with your parents. And we think about it. If your kids honor you, that, that helps the relationship. If they dishonor you, it hurts the relationship. You'll probably have more success in your life because you understand the nature of authority. So as a child, if I understand respecting my parents, obeying them, that will carry on into my school days. That will carry on when I have a boss or supervisor because I understand authority. And if I, you remember the umbrella, if I get under what God has over me, God will raise me above what he has under me. So it will help you. And also, God will continue to pour out his favor upon your life. God loves a heart that respects authority and loves their, their parents. And also, typically, you'll have a longer and more fulfilling life. That's the general rule. Now, are there exceptions? Do people die before their time? Absolutely. But here's the caveat. If you're a Christian, you live forever anyways. So that promise is you're going to eventually be back on the earth in the new Jerusalem. So that promise will eventually be fulfilled. God is all about honor. When we honor him and those that he's placed over us, God honors us with his smile, his blessing, and his favor upon our life. Can I get an uh-huh? All right, number three. That we have the faithful father. Verse 4. It says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, before we read the rest of the verse, some of you, your parents have went on and you have had anger issues towards your parents. Let me tell you the, the reason why. The Bible says if parents are too harsh on their children, if they overcorrect, if they're not there for them, and I'll, I'll give some reasons why, it's easier for you, even as an adult, to have anger issue towards your parents. So that, that explains why some of you still, when we talk about Father's Day, you have this cringe in your heart. Well, my dad, it's because they, they provoked you to wrath. Um, look at the exception. Instead of doing that, bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. The training and the admonition of the Lord. So I want you to, on your outline, underline the word training and the word admonition. The training is the shaping of the mind through teaching. The shaping of the mind, excuse me, let me back up. Training is the shaping of the will through training. And the admonition is the shaping of the mind through teaching. So in one instance, the first one you have discipline. And the second example you have discipleship. And generally parents are usually good at one or the other. Some parents are good at discipline. 
and some are good at teaching the discipleship aspect. This verse says parents are to be good at both. So the, the training is shaping the will and the admonition is shaping the mind. So you have discipline, you have discipleship. I heard this story about this father who's expecting, and Aaron over here in the front row is in, in that category. And um, he was in the waiting room at this day and time. They didn't allow the husbands to, to come in back in the day. How many of you didn't get to go in with your wife? Okay, <laughs> you're confessing your age right now, right? So uh, he, he had to stay in the waiting room. And one of the nurses came out and says, congratulations, one of the gentlemen. Uh, you're having twins. You just had twins. And he's like, that's amazing because I, I, I work for the Minnesota Twins. How coincidental. And the next person, the nurse comes back in and tells the other, the, the other father, say, congratulations, you won't believe this, but we found three triplets. And he's like, how shocking. I work for the 3M company. And the other father started slipping down in his chair and laid down on the floor, prostrate on the floor. And they're like, what's, why, what's going on? And he said, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> he was a little concerned. So how do fathers provoke our children? How do we provoke our children? And for those of you whose dads did provoke you, think about those instances when your, your father exasperated you, made you feel less than. I've listed a few things on, on your outline. The first one is this. The over-under problem. You overcorrect and under-encourage. Now, this is something, as I, as I mentioned last week, I'm working on all this. I'm not perfect. But how many compliments do you give per criticisms? One of the best parenting rules I've heard is for every correction you give, you should give ten encouraging words or ten compliments. And that's hard, especially when you've got toddlers and you're calling them down all the time. So for every correction, the goal is to have ten Positive affirmations. Is that hard or what? But that's something we're to do. Number two, promises. You over-promise and under-deliver. And all the men said, ouch. Son will do this, one of this, and you end up working more or something comes up. Uh, that can exasperate your children. You're always over-promising and under-delivering. Number three, busyness. You don't make time for your kids and blame it on your work schedule. You have time for everything and everybody but your kids. That can exasperate. Priorities. What if your priorities are out of order? They see you hanging out with your buddies on Saturday, but then they don't see you showing up on the school play on Monday. The kids see that. and That, that, that can exasperate them. Critical mindset. You see the worst in your kids and seldom see the best. You see the, the C on the report card, but you don't see the effort behind what they're doing. That can exasperate them. But instead of exasperating your kids... It says, bring them up in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. So the instruction is shaping the will, and the admonition is shaping the mind. So the first one is discipline, the second one is discipleship. So here's what it looks like, parents. Whenever a parent or a grandparent, whatever role you find yourself in, whenever you tell the kid not to do it, you need to give them the replacement of what they should do. So in other words, if your kid, you find them you know, doing something you told them not to do and you correct them, if you haven't instructed them for the alternative route, you've, you've, you've begun the process to exasperate them. And that's something Laura and I have to constantly remind ourselves. We can't tell our kids not to do something unless we're also going to tell them what to do instead. Does that make sense? It's the put-off, put-on equation of the Bible. So here's a few tips for dads. 
So you're like, okay, how do we do this practically? This sounds great, you know, discipline and discipleship. That, that sounds churchy and great, but practically. I'm a dad. Um, I, I work 9 to 5. I work, you know, 7 to 11, whatever. Speak to me practically. Well, here's some practical tips. Number one, read the Bible and pray together as a family. I'm not saying you have to do it every day, but try to do it regularly. Try to read together, pray together. Because that's when instruction, that's when the, 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 the discipleship process comes in, and that will help them. Number two, which is hard for a lot of us guys, admit when you're wrong. Create a culture of confession. Tell your kids that, man, I've blown it. Um, so example, my own life, I will have to often tell my kids, you know, I'm sorry, I made that commitment to you and I've completely fallen short. Please forgive me. All right. I told you the story the other week where I promised Kira and the, the family I'd bring them back a present for my seminary trip and I forgot. I had to come out and say, I forgot. I'm sorry. So be willing to confess that. And you know what that does? That encourages them when they mess up, they're going to confess it too because it creates a culture of confession. Number three, call out the best in them. You are your kid's coach, and you are to be their talent scout. It's kind of like the, the, the psalm where it says your children are like arrows in the quiver of a mighty warrior, and what you're doing is you're sharpening those arrows. But also you're trying to direct the arrows where to go. So part of that, you have to see your kid's personality. You have to see where they're gifted. You have to see where they're not. And you have to direct that arrow so they're ready. Um, so that, that's, that's hard. And some of us, it's funny, um, I've been watching on TV the dad, LeVar Ball. Some of you may have heard of him. If you haven't, it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's this guy in his 50s, and he averaged 2.2 points per game, and now his son is making it at the NBA, and he's trying to live vicariously through his son. So he's on every show and talking up his son, and it's like, you know, there's one thing about helping your kid. There's another thing with trying to Make them be what you're not. So be careful about that, dads. That, that can be a challenge. Number five, lovingly discipline them. And part of that is it's not politically correct to use the word discipline. And you've heard the saying, uh, spare the rod and... You know what the Bible actually says? Spare the rod and hate your child. That's what the Bible actually says. We don't say that because I'm not politically correct. But if I don't discipline my child in a loving way, I don't really love them. And we were talking in the young adult class, the, the new parenting trend is be best friends with your child. Well, you're, you're the parent, not the friend. And if they don't see you as the, the parent, then they're, they're not going to honor or respect you because you're the friend. They're, they're, they're hanging out with you. They need you to be the parent, the father and mother. You can be friends later on in life, but don't make that your primary goal. Be the parent, and that will help them. So whenever you correct them, just some common sense. Never correct them in anger. That's really hard when they do bad things, but allow yourself time to cool down. Tell them what their correction is. I'm correcting you because this. And then explain what they should do differently next time. That's where the instruction comes and the admonition, saying, listen, you know, you disobeyed. Here's what you should have done. And then after you, you've been through the process of correction, be sure to hug your child, let them know you love them, and let, you, let them know there's, it, it's all good. Don't hold anything over them after it's already been finished. That's called reconciliation. All is forgiven and we can move forward. So here's one truth to rethink, pulling it all together. If you look on your listening guide, a family that thrives is one that seeks to love God and each other as they allow the Holy Spirit to fill, lead, and direct their lives. 
Now, one thing I haven't mentioned yet to this passage, it's in the context of being filled with the Spirit, chapter 5. If you're filled with the Spirit, here's what it looks like in husband and wife relationships. Here's what it looks like with parents and children relationships. And next week's going to be really fun. It's on the job. So a little preview for next week. We're going to talk about take this job and love it next week. So if you guys will, please pray with me. Father, I know this scripture is challenging for me as a father. Um, I'm convicted myself because I fall short so much of, of, of the Bible. Um, sometimes I don't instruct them as I should in, in, in the discipline way. And sometimes I don't disciple them as I should, my kids. And Father, as a father, I, I, I clearly confess that and pray you forgive me. And Father, for all the parents and grandparents out there, I pray that they would find relevance and application to this in their lives. And Father, I'm praying for those who are sitting in the, the sanctuary now and those listening online that, that their parents have gone on into eternity and that they're missing their father right now. And I just pray that your peace and comfort would be with them right now and that they would relish and that would, they would think about what they did learn from their father. And Father, if there's anyone here that has hostility or anger from the past, maybe their father was abusive verbally or physically, or maybe the father didn't say, I love you enough, I pray that they would look upward to you who's the good, good father. The one, the Bible says, who's the father to the fatherless. David said, my father and my mother may forsake me, but the Lord will raise me up. So Father, I pray that they would feel the love of you even if they didn't feel it from the earthly father. And Father, I pray for all the children here, those who are non-adults, those who are still under their parents' household, that they would see this passage and be challenged that when I respect authority, God will honor me. He'll honor me with a better life and a longer life. And Father, I pray for one who doesn't know you today. There's one sitting in the congregation and you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father just as we're praying. The Bible says if you're willing to acknowledge your need for God, if you're willing to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, He was buried and He rose again for your sin, and you're willing to confess your sin and turn from them, the Bible says that God will move inside your life through the Holy Spirit. And He will be your Heavenly Father and be with you for all of your days. So if that's you, right where you're sitting right now, just pray out to, to God and say, God, I want to know you as Father. I want to know you as Daddy and Papa. Please forgive me of all my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and I need him as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my life. I give you my life. I give you my all. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. This time we're going to have our closing song. And if you have any decision you want to make, if you want to pray for your children or grandchildren, um, if you want to pray for a relationship, or if you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'll be up front. Adam, Diana will be here to pray for you during this closing song. Respond as the Lord leads.